What is up, Overstated fam? We got another episode today. I am been waiting for this one. When I first started doing the State of the Union, this person was one of the first per- people that I, I mentioned it to. We said we were going to wait till after the trade deadline. I can't wait. Uh, this dude is my dude from the Overstated NFL group. I love this dude, man. He is a diehard Philly fan. Sahil, what's going on, man? How you doing, brother? I'm doing great. I'm doing as well as James Harden did when he walked into that Philadelphia training complex a few days ago. I'm doing great. I love it, man. I love it. So as I said, kind of at the top, you when I was getting this idea to do the State of the Unions with certain members, diehard fans, like I definitely wanted you for Philly, but we were kind of feeling it out in your life. And we both were like, man, we got to wait till this trade deadline. And Man, it's been a crazy, crazy um, six months. I think last six months, maybe a little bit longer than that. How are you feeling? I mean, Philly is on fire. They just beat my team in a hell of a game on Thursday. It was awesome. Joel Embiid is, I would say right now, the front runner for MVP. He finished second last year. Dude, you've got to be Scott. This, he's doing this with all without Ben Simmons. How, how are you feeling as a Philadelphia fan today about the Philadelphia 76ers? I feel, and maybe this is just a Philadelphia fan in me, cautiously optimistic. Okay, okay. Um, growing up, me and my friends had this had this saying: uh, "Imagine enjoying a sport in Philadelphia, because nothing ever happens in an extended period of time." Um, the Eagles won the Super Bowl and then immediately sold their soul to the devil and fell off the face of the earth. The Phillies won a title in 08 and then haven't been heard of from since. So I'm, I'm excited. I am happy that Joel is doing what Joel is doing. But in under no circumstances do I believe that this is a cakewalk to the finals and we're the team to beat now. I would agree with you that I'm not sure if they're the team to beat. But I will say this, man. They have a hell of a lot better of a chance than they did uh, just a, a week and a half ago. I mean, Philly is dialed in, man. They are really, really good. I, it, we'll get into kind of the James Harden thing a little bit, but if Joel Embiid is playing like this, man, there is no reason why the Philadelphia 76ers can't win the NBA title. There, 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 there really is no reason. I've been fascinated with Philly. Um, some of my friends that uh, my my Bucks and all my high school buddies that I know they they just call me a Philly fan because I'm like, man, if Embiid and Simmons can figure this out, like it, it's, it's so different and then you have kind of the Simmons meltdown and, and who knows what was going on there you clearly he wanted out he got out so and then they bring in James Harden I would have re- I don't I don't want to jinx anything but I would have rather they've gotten J- I wanted them to get James Harden last season because I think it w- I think it would have been perfect if they would have been able to pull that off so Ben Simmons get James Harden in there this one though I I think, and I've told you this before, I think their window for Philly is two to three years, and I think James Harden might go down a cliff. But, dude, that's what you got to do, man. You have Joel Embiid. You have to do it. Yeah. I think what what Daryl did was he looked at what Joel was doing this year, and he said, I, I can't waste this year. And they probably could have got, got, gotten James in the offseason for a decent amount less. Um, but then you're wasting a Joel – probably MVP season and hoping that uh, you do get him for, for a little bit less. Cause there always is that uncertainty when someone enters free agency where maybe James is like, I don't want to play in Philadelphia. I want to play in New York or I want to play anywhere else. And so I think doing that trade 
is fine and and, it, and it's a good trade um I, i've seen in 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 our friend groups and across the internet that the sixers got fleeced and i think that is a little bit misleading and i think a little bit misdirectional in terms of who they traded for james if you look at it uh, like you said joel has never really been fully healthy going into a playoffs and he's had injury problems throughout his career. So to say that we should just wait till next year and then hope it works again is, is super, super risky. And like you said, um, James may fall off a cliff in two years, but who knows how long Joel's playing like this. He could be two years, could be three years, but it's probably not as long as a window as, as people or I would like to think it is. I, I, I agree. And it's, it's funny you bring up Daryl because I think you and I, especially you and I, have been championing or championing this. Don't trade Ben. You know, I mean, you know, my co-host Brett was like, "Oh, they got to do this Detroit deal. They got to do this De'Aaron Fox deal. They got to do this." Like, dude, just mm-hmm. just chill. Because in, 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 I'm wondering if if Joel Embiid isn't doesn't go on this tear right for the last like two months where he's just been he's been the MVP. There's no other way around it. Do you think that Philly trades Ben Simmons before the trade deadline, or do you think they they wait till the offseason because I was if you were to put a gun to my head and I was betting I would have said they trade him in the offseason so I I, I think Daryl hit a home run here I don't think they got fleeced I think it's great like if this was if I, I mean you and I have talked privately I said if it's not Beal Harden or Dame Lillard who is out for the year anyways I am not trading Ben Simmons till the offseason and I think Daryl was on the same page there I don't think I think that what Embiid has done this year definitely helped to make that decision for Daryl. But there was no shot Daryl was ever trading him for Buddy Heald and a first-round pick or whatever. Yeah. Uh, that package was never realistic. And Daryl has gone on several pods, his TV circuit interview after the Harden trade, and openly said that it was either getting a superstar or they were just going to hold on to Ben until they could. Um, and I know people complain about how that's unfair to Ben. That's Ben's choice to make. Ben chose not to play. He chose to get fined, and he felt that that was his prerogative to to not play in Philadelphia anymore. And if that's his choice, then it's also the Sixers' choice to to hold on to him until they they find the trade that they like. Um, but I, I don't think there was any any window where Daryl was okay trading him for anything less than a superstar to pair with Joel. I agree, and I, I do think this. Like I said, I, I don't know necessarily know if Philly is the favorite because we got to see it, right? I mean, I want to see yeah. – I'm so excited to see Harden and, and Embiid play. But, I mean, man, on paper. And I know, like, to, to your point about uh, – some were saying that Brooklyn won the trade because they got Seth Curry. Like, dude, I, I like Seth Curry. I'm sure you do too. This is not a knock on Seth Curry. But uh, Seth Curry or James Harden to go to win an NBA – like, Seth Curry isn't winning you an NBA title. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it, it's yeah. not happening. The, the problem with Seth – Ultimately, and I think if you don't really watch Seth consistently, you probably won't see it. Because as a Philly fan, when I watched Seth in Dallas, I was like, this guy's a knockdown shooter. He can do whatever he needs to do on offense, and he's fine on defense. The problem with Seth is that even though he is a historical three-point shooter, he's actually a very reluctant three-point shooter. He doesn't shoot threes on like a quick trigger. It's when he's pretty wide open. He pulls that trigger. And then also you saw last playoffs that 
he was absolutely picked on on the defensive end. And it wasn't by anyone great. It was by Kevin Herter. Kevin Herter would come down, uh, take take his time, and, and just pull up over Seth Curry and nail baskets. And it, it's fine, I think, in terms of when Seth is a role player, like he will be in Brooklyn because he won't be like the number one or number two or number three option. But in Philadelphia, he was by default like the number three or four option. And they couldn't not start him because of th- them playing Ben. Um, and so I, I don't think Ben or Seth is as big as a loss as people seem to think it is. And, and I think I've talked to you privately about this. The change in narrative of Andre Drummond in half a season. <laughs> I know. Where people are now like, oh, this guy's a valuable piece. Which, listen, Andre Drummond was a great backup for us, but he's going to get picked on in the playoffs. and. I think Daryl knows that for him, the regular season won't matter that much. He needs guys that will be able to play in the playoffs without getting picked on or played off on one end of the floor. I agree, man. And you're going to need that in the East. And that's why, I mean, I don't even know, like, if my team, Milwaukee, if you can even consider them the favorite. I don't know who the favorite in the East is right now, but it is a gauntlet. You know, you have Philly, Milwaukee, Miami, those three teams alone, and then Brooklyn. I mean – if, if it's looking like how it is with Brooklyn, I mean, maybe if you're Philly and Milwaukee, you don't want that number one or two seed because you're going to have to play Brooklyn in round one. And who knows? The mandate might be over then in New York. And you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and who knows what kind of Ben Simmons we're going to get. I mean, dude, the, the East, I cannot believe – you can hear my dog drinking some water. Cannot <laughs> believe how loaded the East is right now. I mean, I haven't seen it this loaded in a very, very, very long time. It hasn't been. And I think – from a Philly point of view, that's the problem because outside of Bet or outside of James and Joel, there's really not much on the team where I would be like, I feel comfortable that if those guys are struggling in a game, if they're just having an off shooting night, that these guys can take over. Um, I know people love Tyrese Maxey and I do too. He lit, up, he, lit our, he lit our ass up on, uh, on Thursday night. He he's a great young player, but it's only a second year, so it's very hard to rely on him. And the one thing that I think people overlook a lot is that Tobias has skated around getting any blame put on him because of how badly everyone else on the team has choked. But Tobias has not been good either in the playoffs. And the problem with Tobias is, is kind of the problem with the Sixers in general, which is why Harden was a big deal is that they're a very slow team, meaning no one on that team other than Joel and now James is very good at making quick decisions. Everyone like takes their time. Um, and, and that's a kind of a virtue of people playing out of position. Like Tyrese Maxey is normally an off guard in, a, in, a, in his ideal role. And Furkan Korkmaz is also uh, a shooting guard in his ideal role, but they've both been playing distributors because they don't really have a point guard on the team. Uh, Shake Milton has been out for a large part of the year. I think that kind of plays to their to their weaknesses, but they really needed a guy who could kind of take the ball and and be the point guard. Which I think James is not maybe not his preferred role, but he's very good at it, um, and I think that really helps him out. In addition to having a guy who can score the ball when he needs to. Yeah, man, I I think it's going to be great. And to what you just said, I mean, I know. Our, some of our friends, I mean, they, they've been having a little fun with it. Like, it's kind of ironic that Doc Rivers and James Harden are on the same team now. I mean, you know, two of the um, 
especially Doc. He's blown the most three to one leads in the playoffs and all that. But man, I, I think it can work. Like I, I'm really, I'm really, really bullish on Philly. I, I I love this move that they made. Who cares? Like you like you alluded to, man. You you have Joel Embiid playing this well. He's not always healthy. James Harden is just seems to be living that Allen Iverson lifestyle of just not taking care of his body at all, just going out all the time. Like you can kind of see a little bit of uh, slippage in his game, man. I love it for Philly, but I wanted to ask you something else. So you are a diehard Philly man fan. How long have you been a diehard Philly fan? How did you become a Philly fan? Um, I remember Milwaukee and Philly has a, you guys seem to always kick our asses. Um, you guys beat us in the playoffs the year. The Phillies won the, the, <laughs> the world series. Um, there was the fourth and 26 that Philly had on the Green Bay Packers. And then, you know, the my favorite team of all time, the the 2001 Milwaukee Bucks, just getting um, – um, I won't say the refs screwed them because they had plenty of opportunities <laughs> to win. But, you know, just beating us when we go to the NBA Finals. And, you, and dude, Philly won. You have the, the – I was rooting so hard for you in the Super Bowl. I love uh, that team when they beat Tom Brady. Dude, it was so awesome. So awesome. Nick Foles forever. Tell me a little bit about your your Philly fandom here. Yeah, so I actually was born in India. Uh, I moved to New York when I was maybe like two weeks old. And then maybe when I was, I think, in third grade, I moved to Philadelphia. And I I think up until that point, having like an immigrant father and parents in general, there wasn't any like real focus on like no American sports in another house. and I remember going to a basketball camp and seeing an Iguodala jersey uh, when I was maybe fifth grade. And I remember like, oh, like maybe I should start watching basketball. Like I'm at this basketball camp. I play basketball. Maybe I should start watching. I remember watching Mark Zumoff call a game. It was against, uh, okay, I think it was OKC's maybe second year, third year there. It was James Harden's rookie year, actually. Oh, and I remember getting our asses kicked by the maybe we were down 40 by the third quarter it was miserable um but then the second game i watched was andre miller was healthy and i i watched andre miller and Igadala. and uh to me i just i love the way both of them played the game um to me like i've always been attracted to guys who can play on both ends of the, the court um so Igadala was was a perfect example and i i know stats kind of took over later later as I watched and people started calling him out for being inefficient and not a good shooter and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, he was, he was playing both ends of the court and uh, so was Andre Miller. And I think I caught the tail end of like the Iguodala year. And then I think I really started paying attention when the Bynum trade happens and it was kind of a mess. He came in, he was bowling. He was, he was trying up to, to interviews with his hair half done. And then I honestly think my favorite years were, were, were the process years. Um, I remember you could get tickets for $17.76. I remember that. And I remember me and my friends would just go like to as many games as we could because it was like 20 bucks a ticket. Um, and I remember watching like Jakari Sampson play. Uh, and then I remember, I remember seeing that, that TJ McConnell game winner over Carmelo and, and B choking him out at the end of the game. Uh, but for me, I think that's when it, the process really kicked it off for me. That's awesome. It's funny you say that because my team, up until we had Giannis and probably, you know, when we had the big three of Ray Allen, Glenn Robinson, and Sam Cassell for my entire life, they've sucked. 
they've been really bad. And it's funny you bring that up because it was it, I, going to games at the, the old Bradley Center, which is torn down now, which is what you just said. You get tickets for like eight bucks, 10 bucks, like food was cheap. And there you could always move down if you wanted to. Like it was just, it was awesome. And it was, it was kind of like this thing, like if you, especially in Wisconsin, because, you know, the Packers dominate everything. And then there's the Brewers and the Bucks. They just, they just weren't good. And it was kind of like this cool little click of like, I don't want to, I don't want to use the word like hipsters, but like, Hey, here's these cool Bucks fans who their team sucks, but they're diehards. They, they go to every game. They know everybody. Like it, it's, that's very cool that, that you, that that's when your love for the 76ers really took off because it's, it's kind of the same with me because just going to games when your team sucks, there's no expectations and you're getting, you know, so hyped about, you know, TJ Ford coming in and he's going to be your savior. And dude, yeah. really, you know that he has no shot. Yeah. And I remember going to these games and when we first started going, there was nobody there. Like the, the center was empty. And I remember watching like, we had Henry Sims at one point, Justin Anderson, like a bunch of rejects playing. And then I remember seeing Covington for the first time and being like, this guy is the only guy on our team who kind of looks like an NBA player. <laughs> and then I remember, honestly, I was I was so out on TJ at first because I was like, this guy sucks. He can't play defense. <laughs> it's like the first quarter and he's full court pressing. And then I was like, you know what? He's probably never going to be a rotation guy. And he's full court pressing in the first quarter. I love this guy. <laughs> um, and I remember just like slowly, like I remember going to like a bunch of games in that 10 or the nine win season. And we had lost like maybe 27 straight. No one's there. And then uh, in Bede's first year where he plays 27 games before he gets hurt. I remember him and Russ got into it. And I, I remember seeing like when we went to that game, there were so many people there. And I was like, half these people were not here. Like, 90% of the people were not here when, when we were going to these games. Um, and I remember watching Embiid play for the first time. And I was like, you know, like, I've, I've been going to these games for like five seasons now. And we haven't won more than like 20-something games. And watching Embiid play for the first time was like, you know what? This is this was all worth it. Yeah. Because this guy is going to be a top five player in the league. And I'm sure like that's how you guys feel about Giannis. But I remember watching him and being like, you know what? I don't care what anyone says to me. The process is worth it. Yeah, and it, it, I, for me, and, and I think you're, as a Philly fan, you're going through it too. I remember the first year we get Mike Boonholzer, and I'm I'm like jacked. I, I either wanted Nick Nurse or Mike Boonholzer. And I'm like, oh, dude, finally. Like, finally. You know, we haven't had like a accomplished coach since since George Carl. Here's my obligatory fuck George Carl for trading Ray Allen. Fuck him. Um Wish him all the best, but that would that still kills me. But like, yeah, and I remember that series against Toronto, and I'm like, like I, we're up two nothing. I'm like, oh my god, like we're going to the NBA Finals, right? And like, the, the 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 NBA fan in me is like, you know, to get to that mountaintop, you usually have to get kicked down a little bit, right? You lose a heartbreaking series or whatnot, or maybe it's two or three heartbreaking series, and then you get back there. But the the homer and the fan in me is like, dude, screw this. Like we're we're actually we're going to the NBA finals, right? Like we're and then they just lose in the most heartbreaking fashion, right? They lose four in a row. You know, the, the Milwaukee Bucks motto is Bucks in six and we lose in six and our best chance to go to the NBA finals in, you know, just about eighteen years, nineteen years. And you're like, damn. And then you have, you know, the the bubble, you know, where where Milwaukee just falls apart. And I think Philly was the same way. Like you know, they just fell apart. 
And then when we finally did it last season, like, like it's like, dude, it's all worth it. And I think, you know, I'm rooting for, I know I'm not supposed to say this as a Bucks fan, but as an NBA fan and you're my friend, like, dude, I want you to experience that. Cause you know, you had it with Toronto where, you know, that's the, the, uh, the Kawhi shot is just ridiculous. Right. And then obviously the bubble and then, and then last year just losing in heartbreaking fact <laughs> to, to the Hawks. I mean, dude, it, it, it's like you said, man, it's all those, those shitty seasons. I, the, the season that you're talking about where Philly lost 26 in a row, Milwaukee was right there. I think Milwaukee yeah. lost like 24, 25 in a row. Like yeah. they were just really bad. That was the, the Wiggins, Jabari Parker, Joel Embiid draft. Yeah, and I think part of it, I think, I think having a team that loses so much makes it, in my opinion, so much more fun. Like we have so many more cult heroes than, like I, I don't think Lakers fans will ever have the bond that Sixers fans had through the process. No, never. And that's, and I, I don't have anything against Lakers. Kobe was one of my favorite players growing up, but. The like the, the era on Twitter during that or that era on Twitter where uh, Sixers Twitter was just hyping up like guys like Jakar Samson. I remember we had this guy Hollis Thompson who all he could do was shoot threes and do nothing else. And I was convinced this guy was going to be like the next Clay Thompson. <laughs> um, and I think like having these cult heroes like TJ McConnell is something that you really can only experience if your team has gone through those like doldrums of the years where you guys were winning like 10 games, 11 games, 12 games. Um, I think that you could tell who really enjoyed basketball because they were still showing up to those games. Yeah, no, man, I I agree. And it's similar to, you know, you know, Celtics fans, I I think are a little bit different because, you know, they just expect to win, right? Like they, 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 they expected that's their tradition, but like, I'm with you, man, like, like Laker fans and, even like I don't want to rip them too much, but like Miami Heat fans, like those those fan bases will never know what it's like to be a you know a quote unquote and not so not necessarily a small market, but a team that like isn't a powerhouse in the NBA, right? That's not supposed to win every year. Like they they don't yeah. understand what that's like. Yeah, and that's not to say like Philadelphia is not a small market. It's probably the fifth or sixth biggest market in America at this point, but we're not getting free agents like Miami or Boston or the Texas teams or any of the California teams. And neither is Milwaukee. And it doesn't matter. Maybe if you're really good, you get, you get a guy, but I think that's why this James Harden trade is such a big deal because he chose to come here. Right. So for us, it's like, and everyone can say like, Oh, he's, he's starting to get washed, blah, blah, blah. At this point, he's still a top, what at worst 20 player in the league. And it's a big deal that he chose to came, he came he chose to play with our guy and not just like oh he was a free agent or he just got traded here um, like he chose to to want want to trade to Philadelphia. So let let's let's kind of end with that then. Like, how do you think the fit between Harden and Embiid is going to go? I mean, we've all heard. I know you listen to just as many podcasts as I do. Like, you know, James has never played with a back to the basket guy like Joel Embiid has. That's what Joel Embiid wants to do. You know, James is used to like a rim running big man. How do you think this is going to go? I think that it will go well. And the reason I I think it will go well is because Joel has never been a guy where he needs the ball at all times. I think 
the product of him dominating the ball right now is because there's really no one else on the team to do anything. And I think he's perfectly fine taking a back seat like he did to Jimmy uh, when Jimmy was on the team. And I think from a defensive point of view, if you're going to double Joel or you're going to double James, but you can't double both. So who you're going to have to pick your poison. Are you really going to, are you going to double Joel Embiid, who's probably the MVP at this point, or are you going to double James Harden? And if you, the guy who you don't double, how are you going to make sure that he's not passing the ball to someone else on the team? Because at this point, their team is literally just Joel and James and then a bunch of guys who can knock down open shots. So I think that's that's why, to me, the trade was a success because even if they don't win the title this year, I think Maury has this offseason to fix the roster around the two. And to be honest, I don't think I've ever seen kind of like a, a relationship like James and Maury have. <laughs> right. right. I've literally never seen a guy be like, I want to play with that GM or for that GM. And to me, that's that's the interesting part in all this. And everyone can say like, oh, James is a quitter, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't really care how people feel about the vaccine or the mandate. But if you're James Harden, you go to Brooklyn, and you're promised this three-headed monster of KD and Kyrie and you. Uh, things happened last year, and you're, you're playing well in the playoffs, whatever. James played through a hurt hamstring. KD kind of almost beat everyone, basically, on his, by himself. And this year... Everyone else is getting the vaccine, and this one guy on your team is refusing to get the vaccine, and he's missing half of your games. Yeah, you're, The other guy that you were promised to play with is missing a bunch of games because he's hurt all the time now. And you're looking at him, and, and in the locker room, Kyrie's still doing his Kyrie stuff. He's burning sage. He's doing all that stuff. <laughs> if you're James Harden, you're probably like, listen, man, like if you're playing the little games, I don't care what you do, but you're not playing in half the games. I'm playing with Patty Mills, a washed up Blake Griffin, and like Cam Thomas. And now I have to see you burning steak in half the games you do play in. Like, I, I think that it's overblown that James is a quitter. I think maybe he didn't handle things as, as, as well as he could have. But if I was James and Kyrie was not playing in half the games and still doing his Kyrie stuff, I too would be very, very annoyed and very pissed and want to. Uh, I think this is a rare trade where, where both teams will end up getting what they want. But my thing with, for Brooklyn fans is that if the mandate doesn't get lifted and you're playing at home, they're screwed and someone doubles KD, that Ben problem is still going to rear its ugly head. Yeah. It, it's, it's not like, I, I get it. Like, Oh, it's a better fit for him, but the better fit doesn't eliminate the fact that he has issues as a basketball player offensively that he will not acknowledge and he won't, he doesn't think there's a problem. And I think that's the problem in and of itself, right? Like you can't, you can't play basketball and not be willing to at least take the shot. Yeah. And he didn't even want to shoot free throws. I'm I'm with you. And to the people that say James Harden is a quitter, like I'll say this, I don't think he's a quitter because in order, I said this the other day, for him to get where he wanted to go, he had to act like how he acted. I, I, I think, yeah. like, I, and I'm with you, man. I don't like how he handled it. I think like there's an easier way to, even when he was in Houston, hey, you need to trade me. We're going for a rebuild. 
I gave you guys this amount of time. Like, do this all privately. Like, I want to go to either Philly or, you know, whatever it was. And then the Brooklyn thing, I think, and I get why Brooklyn didn't want to trade them because they're looking at their roster. They, they, if you're Brooklyn and you, you're lay, they just laid out everything that you just said, they're like, dude, we can't trade this guy. We're going to be screwed if we if we trade this guy, especially for a guy in Ben Simmons who and he hasn't played basketball all season. He just had a offensively a one of the worst meltdowns we've ever seen in NBA history. And I'm with you. If you're James Harden, that's not what you signed up for. And I think people forget before he got hurt in the regular season last year, like he was in the running to be MVP. Like he, yeah. he was, he was in that mix of you know Embiid, Jokic, and Giannis. Like he was right there. So I, I, I I'm with you. I think both teams. I think Brooklyn. I mean, I, I have to save some of this for the for the Brooklyn pod, but I, I think Brooklyn is going to be disappointed with what they got. I, I actually think like they're they're a little bit of losers here, and that's probably why they asked for the the extra draft picks because yeah. I, I don't know. Like to similar to what you just said, I don't know how that's going to work, but. Brother, let's end with this. Joel's, tell me why Joel Embiid, yeah, Joel Embiid is going to be the MVP, and I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you end it with this. I, I want to see some strays. I want to <laughs> see some strays. I think at this point, if you don't think that Joel Embiid is the MVP, you just don't watch basketball at this point. Yes, yes. He took the reigning MVP, or sorry, not the reigning MVP, the reigning Finals MVP. Beat him on his home court. He has been an excellent player on both sides of the ball. He, his second best player at this point in the season has been Tyrese Maxey, a second-year rookie or second-year guard who's playing out of position. He's playing in the tougher conference. He has never... I think at this point, really the only argument I've heard for Jokic is some dumb advanced stat. So I don't care what Raptor or LeBron or Penis says about Jokic. At this point, (laughs) if you watch them on the court, Joel Embiid is the best basketball player on the planet. He's He went on a stretch where he was dropping 50 points and 40 points in a stretch like I haven't seen since Kobe. And I'm glad that Jokic is a great passer. I'm glad he had a great pass to Monty Morris in the corner and he hit a three. <laughs> but at the end of the game, Jokic is not taking those shots. And Joel is. He did it against the Celtics. He did it against Miami. He's done it against almost every team they've played this year. Because frankly, on his team, he's the only guy who can take those shots. And... You can argue that Jokic has had nobody, but they've also played in a weaker conference. And Jokic is a great player. I have nothing against Jokic other than the fact that his fans are the most annoying people on the planet. (laughs) But I would rather listen to Derek talk about Jason Tatum than listen to a bunch of people in the group talk about Nikola Jokic. I love you, man. I love you so much. And I, I think you, you nailed it on the head too. And I don't, I hope, I, I know I definitely will. And I, I think it doesn't get talked about enough that how much tougher the East is. And like you said, Joel Embiid is playing with Tyrese Maxey and Tobias Harris. Like that, that's, that's literally all you, all you need to say. And I think people hear Tobias Harris and they think, oh, he's a max contract guy, which frankly, Worst contract in the league. It's not close. 
Elton Brand traded for Jimmy, traded for Tobias. Jimmy walked, and he felt obligated to give Tobias Max Steel. That's why he's here. Because otherwise, Tobias would have been gone the second they traded Bet. Um, and if you're saying that Tyrese Maxey is your second best player, I'm not really sure that that that's an argument that Jokic is playing with like a much worse supporting cast because it's Tyrese Maxey, Furkan Korkmaz, Georges Niang. Like it, the names aren't aren't that strong outside of a guy who is frankly holding them together on both ends of the court, and it, it's wild to see. I love it, man. I love it. And I, I, will, I guarantee you Tobias Harris will not be a Philadelphia 76er at the start of training camp next season. I, I guarantee it. Uh, at this point, I think I would take Buddy Heald over Tobias Harris. I, I would take I would take anyone over Tobias Harris. I and love I love Tobias. He's a great guy in the community. I have nothing against him. He looks like Jake Cole. He is one of the best community care guys on the Sixers. He loves to read books. I, but Tobias, please. I love it. I love it. Pull the trigger on a three and take more than two threes a game, or please leave Philadelphia. <laughs> Dude, Sahil, I love you, brother. Uh, you you are uh, over this past year, two years, man. You you've been a, a very close friend of mine in the in the overstated group, man. I love you, brother. You rock, man. I appreciate you taking some time out of your Saturday night, man. And and thank you. And uh, yeah, man, it's gonna be a hell of a second half of the season. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it.